Welcome to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mandana Yousefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. Hey, Ian. Hey, what's up? I'm very excited. What are you excited about today? Well, we are recording our ninth episode. We are. And I'm at the point where I feel confident about Bitcoin. I think I understand it. And I could walk away and not ever talk to you about Bitcoin again. And I think I could get by. <laughs> Perhaps. But the good news is I'm still very interested and I want to know more. What would you like to know? Okay, so I understand what Bitcoin is. I can explain it and I can understand why the value of it is going to keep going up. So I understand like the what and the how of it all. I'm ready to learn the why. Why what? Well, why did someone come up with the idea of Bitcoin? And I think a lot of us take that question or answer for granted. We, I think we say, oh, you know, technology is advancing. And so, of course, we were going to have digital money soon. But, you know, just like how some people don't use cell phones and still use old school phones, they think that some people will use Bitcoin and some people will use money. And that's just what it is. But that's not why Bitcoin was created. Bitcoin was created in response to a very specific event, or at least people believe that Bitcoin was mm -hmm. created in response okay, to a specific event. The, the Bitcoin white paper was released on Halloween 2008. Dun, dun, dun. Something like that, <laughs> right? Where the author of this white paper lays out how to build a... Uh, globally distributed decentralized monetary system. Releasing a design for a system like that right after the current world system had basically just crashed, I think a lot of people would argue that Bitcoin, Bitcoin was created in response to the 2007-2008 crash. Ooh. And there's some evidence <laughs> to that. All right, let's get into it. So the 08 crash, subprime mortgages, yada, yada, yada. What's the story that we need to know about that in connection to Bitcoin? I think if you went out on the street and asked anybody who claims to know what happened in 08, they will tell you the same answer. Subprime mortgages. That's like literally the only thing you just said was subprime mortgages, yada, 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 <laughs> right? And then you go on to like the talk shows and they'll tell you, oh, these people borrowed money they shouldn't have borrowed. They knew they couldn't pay it back, yada, yada, yada. What actually happened in 08 was a little more complicated than that. And the subprime mortgages were just the trigger to the unraveling of the entire world financial system. That's why 08 was so devastating. Like if you think about it, subprime mortgages were only a percentage of all the mortgages in the United States. On top of that, the mortgages in the United States are only a, a fraction of all global mortgages. So how is it that this fraction of a fraction of a fraction can crash the entire world system? Why is that the story that you're getting from like the news media? So what's and the story? It was a run on the banks, but it was a bank to bank bank run. It wasn't what you've probably seen pictures of in the 1930s or whenever the last Great Depression crash happened and they show people lined up outside of banks like banging on doors. Like that didn't happen. So there's no pictures of that. But what did happen is that 
behind the scenes, that's basically what banks were doing. What was going on? Maybe people know this or don't, but banks will loan money to other banks, usually for a short period of time. And that's just how the banking system works. It's not a big deal. People have built businesses off of this business. It's not supposed to be risky. And the way that works is that one bank will offer up as collateral to another bank a portion of the money that they want to borrow. So let's say you want to borrow $10 million. They will put up collateral worth $5 million. And all that collateral says is if I don't pay you back the 10 million, you can take this collateral, go sell it. You know, you're going to lose some money, but you won't lose all of your money. And that was going on for a while. That had been going on, I want to say throughout the 90s. And the, But in August of 2007, and the borrowing bank gave as collateral a bundle of subprime mortgages. Mm -hmm. And they said, if we don't pay you back, you can take these this bundle of mortgages and sell them in the mortgage market. They gave them these mortgages as collateral. And this wasn't the first time. People have been doing this for years. It was a very common practice. It was a very common practice and no one thought anything of it. What happened in this instance is the borrowing bank didn't pay back the loan. Which triggered the need to look at the collateral. When they didn't pay back the loan, the lending bank said, well, we're going to go to the courts. We're going to take ownership of your collateral and then we're going to go sell it. When they went to sell those mortgages in the market that buys and sells mortgages, there were zero buyers for this bundle of mortgages. That supposedly costs $5 million, for example. That was, sure, that was being posted as collateral. What in effect happened was their collateral was worth zero. So when the market basically said, no, we will not buy those from you, they are worth zero, that basically caused, you know, like the butterfly effect or the you know, snowball rolling down a hill because that just forced everyone to first look at their books, find all these loans that they'd made like this, reach out to those people and say, hey, your collateral is worth probably zero. We need different collateral from you, maybe a U.S. Treasury or I don't know, a valuable piece of art or yeah. something, right? But whatever it is, it can't be this. And that's just going to trigger every bank that owes every other bank money. Right. And so it fanned out. It's like a house of cards falling. Exactly. This fanning out of we need more collateral, we need more collateral, we need more collateral is really what caused the crash of 08. Because like who's at the very bottom of that list of I need more money from you. Well, let me go get it from Charlie. I need more money from you. Well, let me go get it from Bob. Well, I need more like. Who's at the bottom of that? And what the world found out in 08 is that there's actually really nothing at the bottom. Like it's really just this like circular system. I give you this bundle of mortgages as collateral, then you give them to someone else as collateral, and then that person gives them back to me as collateral, <laughs> right? So how is that system? The emperor has no clothes. Exactly. A system like that crashed. We all experienced the crash and they told everybody or they let everyone just run with the easy story, which was subprime mortgages because everyone hates a person who doesn't pay their bills. But in actuality, it was how the banks mm -hmm. operated with each other that caused the problem. But as the world watched this system like collapse and people slowly, they realized and probably intrinsically knew, but just didn't want to believe that at the bottom of all of this, there's nothing. It's all a scam. It's not that it's a scam. It's that the way that the system is set up, as long as the music keeps playing, it doesn't really matter. In theory, they should have been able to take those mortgages and sell them. And even if that person didn't recuperate all the money that they loaned, they would have got back some and the system would have kept working. We will not buy any more of those mortgages. Then the whole thing fell over. And all of these loans that were collateralized became worthless. 
So a year later, the Bitcoin white paper pops up. Like you would think that this like global monetary system would be like multiple, like hundreds of pages long of how this thing is going to work. It's nine pages. And I believe there's pictures in it, right? <laughs> like it's not a complicated document, but the system is designed in a way that cannot happen because with Bitcoin, either you have the Bitcoin or I have the Bitcoin, but I can't give you Bitcoin that you then give to someone else and they then give to me. And we all agree that we all have that Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin is property. Bitcoin is property, but it's more about the nature of how Bitcoin works. It's only your Bitcoin if you have the keys to it. Mm -hmm. So if I were to give you Bitcoin as collateral and you give me some money, if you take that Bitcoin and give it to someone else as collateral and then they give you money, you no longer have my collateral. Like you no longer have it because you don't control it. So will Bitcoin ever be used as collateral in that way? Bitcoin is being used as collateral. So hypothecation is I give you collateral and then you take my collateral and do something else with it. It's not that you can't do that. It's that if you do do that, it's transparent because all transactions on Bitcoin network are public. If I post collateral Bitcoin to a location, to a wallet, that you can't move and I can't move, then you can never move it. And that's how Unchained Capital works. That company, Unchained Capital. Right. So they loan money against Bitcoin. But if you were to create a loan product where I give you Bitcoin, but you can still move it, that means you can rehypothecate it. That means you can use it as collateral somewhere else and recreate the system that just fell down. If you don't want to have your collateral be hypothecated, which most Bitcoiners are like, that's how this all fell apart in the first place, then you would just never borrow some money from someone with Bitcoin as collateral if they set up the location that you put the Bitcoin as a place where they can move it after they have it. I see. So it's an element of morality in how you believe lending should work. To a certain extent, yes. Yes. The 07 crash leads to Halloween of 08, the Bitcoin white paper, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do that, but it does mean that if you do do that, and that's what was missing in the banking system, this collateral that you're posting to me, did you get this from someone else? Mm -hmm. Is this actually yours to use as collateral? Ah. So that is very hard to figure out. That's, a, that's an event, the 08 crash is an event that I think everyone who's probably listening to this podcast experienced in one way, shape, or form. But there was another big shock to the system, similar, that you and I didn't necessarily experience, but our parents did. The 70s, <laughs> right? Like the 70s were this period of like massive inflation. Um, there's a website called WTF Happened in 1971 that kind of breaks <laughs> down, like you can show all, pull up all these metrics about humanity and draw a line on 1971 and things just go off the rails. <laughs> Like literally, like everything goes off the rails in 1971. Um, so hence the title, WTF Happened. So what happened is that the President of the United States came on TV one night, Richard Nixon, and said to the world, hey, I know we said that if you had dollars, you could give them back to us and we'd give you gold. But just for a little bit, just for a little bit of time, we're not going to let you do that anymore. Don't worry about it. It's temporary. We just got to, you know, get some things in order and we'll put things back to normal. And we never did. When the United States, air quotes here, got off the gold standard, there was this period of massive inflation where all these countries in the world were just printing money now because there was nothing, there was nothing underlying any of those currencies. 
But why would Richard Nixon do that? What happened? There's a lot of uh, conspiracy theory reasons, but the one reason that we're pretty all certain about is France was calling the United States' bluff. After World War II, all of the winners of World War II got together and and sat down and came up with, how are they going to run the world's economy going forward? Must be nice. (laughs) That's why you fight the war, so that you can win and rewrite the rules, right? So, you know, Japan was destroyed. Europe was destroyed. The whole world was destroyed Mm -hmm. besides the United States. And during that period, since the United States wasn't really being affected by the war, everybody who was anybody was sending all of their wealth to the United States. So the United States had a lot of gold. And every country had their own exchange rate with the United States. So France was like, we would like our gold, please. Give me back my gold. And so they literally sent a boat across the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) And it's a boat, so it takes a while, right? So we know it's coming. We knew it was coming. We knew why it was coming. And before it got here, Nixon goes on TV and says, sorry, guys. My bad. Like, just for a little bit. We got to get, we got to get some papers straightened out. You know, you know, we got some, some office birthday parties, but just for a little bit. Now, there's a lot of conspiracy theories as to why they think they did that, aka we don't actually have the gold. You don't say. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but why would you just all of a sudden turn that system off, tries to invoke how the system's supposed to work? It's super shady. So when that happened, we had to find a new asset to price dollars in, right? Because if it's not gold, what's it going to be? Oil. Boom. Got it. And you get what basically we've been living through for the last 30 years is the United States dollar has been pegged to oil. It has not been pegged to gold. Oil is a thing that you can't really control as easy as gold. Oil is what literally makes the planet run. Oil is much more complicated than gold. <laughs> it's much more complicated than gold. Or not only do you store oil, in theory, I guess you're storing, you're, you know, you're stacking barrels of oil like you're stacking sats, right? But you also inevitably have to burn that oil, right? So you can't save it up forever. Like how many times have we released the strategic oil reserves in the Mm -hmm. past 20 years, right? You use it. You eventually use it. You hope you bought it low and then you sell it or burn it when it's high, right? That's what the strategic oil reserve is. So right now we're in a situation where a lot of people think that the value of their dollar is tied to gold, but it is not. (laughs) No. It's actually tied to oil, Mm -hmm. which is an asset that's much more volatile than gold ever was. If gold was even volatile. Yeah. Gold's not volatile. It moves big and then it stabilizes. So this is what you're talking about when you say, I was walking around thinking the way that the world works doesn't make sense. If you're a person who thinks that the dollar is still got some gold value attached to it, then I would argue that you don't know how the world works. But if you do know how the world works and you know that if the dollar is tied to oil and we literally can't control oil, Russia controls it, everyone but us really controls oil, then we really don't control our currency. And a rational person would say, is that a state that you want to, is that the state that you want the world to be in? And I would argue that for probably since the 1971, yeah, I'm sure the United States has done its fair share of stuff manipulating the, the price of oil and the price of the dollar or whatever, but it can just be manipulated by anyone who has the wherewithal to do it. And I think that that's what Russia with their strate- strategic is doing. Russia controls the most oil in the world. In a sense, they control the dollar. They know that. If you're a thinking person, we know that. It's a front. 
like we we make it out to be like Russia's this bad guy because they're doing bad things. It's like no, Russia kind of controls the United States dollar. If Russia wants to tank the dollar, they just mess with oil. You can't live like that. <laughs> so he enters Bitcoin, and I would argue that Bitcoin is replacing oil. But that's very interesting because Russia's been going through a lot in terms of Bitcoin. Russia banned Bitcoin mining recently and then overturned it. Yeah, they've done a complete 180. <laughs> like Russia just basically made crypto legal. Yes. In the since we recorded the last episode, mm -hmm. literally we recorded, and then the next day they were like, <laughs> "Crypto good." They were listening. <laughs> Probably. We convinced Putin. <laughs> Probably going back to like the idea of if you know how the world works, the post World War II world, Bretton Woods to 1971. Those were like. The best years of growth or anything in America was when everyone was agreeing on the system. You know, it might have been more beneficial to the United States than Great Britain or France or Germany, but America was thriving and growing. Everybody was. Mm -hmm. When we got off that system, 1971, there basically were no more rules. And so instead of saying like the franc to the dollar to gold, it was how many francs have you printed divided by how many dollars have we printed? That's the exchange rate. Now, are you being <laughs> honest about how many francs that you printed? No. Because we're not being honest about how many dollars <laughs> we printed. So everyone's lying about their numbers. You end up with this unstable world. That unstable world completely unraveled in the 08 crash. There were other smaller unravelings or whatever, but... 08 was the unraveling. 08 forced everyone to look internally and realize that they were all in similar situations. In Bitcoin, you have the blockchain. And the very first block of the Bitcoin blockchain, there's like a little message embedded. Mm -hmm. And it's literally the headline of a paper in the UK talking about how the government is about to print a bunch of money. Wow. Like that's embedded in the first block of the Bitcoin blockchain. And so when you say like, was it in response to it? It's like, yeah, because embedded in it, Satoshi Nakamoto embedded this headline that says the thing is the, whatever, the, whatever they got those British terms. So the, the chancellor of the exchequer <laughs> or the, the greatest chap with the checkbook, whatever it is, right? Like was about to print a bunch of money. And we've done nothing but print money since the day he embedded that message into the Bitcoin blockchain. So yeah, I think it was in response to the crash. I think that's a fair assumption. But I also think that people's assumption that Bitcoin is just this like next version of money does Bitcoin a disservice. Absolutely. I think the narrative is never this. And I think if it was presented as this was the problem and here is the solution, maybe less people would be looking for how Bitcoin is a scam and instead look at how Bitcoin is a solution. So as I'm flirting with Bitcoin, it feels like I'm getting to know someone who's actually pretty great and it's making me realize how bad my exes are. <laughs> like I was walking around thinking the dollar was good for me, that the dollar cared about me, that I could trust it. I'm thinking it's backed by gold. Not anymore. Okay, that it's backed by oil. Yeah, technically, yeah. Subprime mortgages? In a roundabout way, also subprime mortgages. Oh man, this just hurts. Yeah, ever since we got up the gold standard, like our money's been getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, right? It's just to the point now where even like everyone's collateral is just dirty collateral now. Except for Bitcoin? 
Well, no. See, Bitcoin is pristine collateral. Once you have Bitcoin, there's nothing that you would exchange it for. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. <laughs> Ironically, babe, you just, without knowing it, mentioned one of Bitcoin's um, memes or whatever. Oh, look at me. Okay, okay. Because once it starts clicking, memes are just obvious, right? Well, that's what happens when you're dating someone. You start talking like them, all that fun stuff. Yep. Bitcoin um, changes you. Ooh, things are getting serious. But that's enough dating for now. I want to get online and I want to chat with my friends about this Bitcoin that I'm getting to know. So remember, get on our social, share our clips, jump in on the Bitcoin banter, and let's all keep flirting with Bitcoin. Oh, 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 oh,